Welcome to the Foul Life with Chad Belding, a special two-part episode from the Golden State of California, where Chad is surrounded by an all-star team. Cody Stanham, Dan Hendo Anderson, Jason Nash, Brian Kelvington. We got Team Federal Black Cloud here. What a great camp. On part one of this The Foul Life California doubleheader, Chad and the guys are covered up with speckle belly geese. There were birds literally, like you were saying, you could reach out and touch the birds. I've had a lot of goose hunts, but only a few great ones, and this is as high of all as I've seen wave after wave. Now, let's begin part one of this special edition of Benelli's The Foul Life episode with Chad Belding and special guests Dan Hendo Henderson, the MMA legend, Cody Stamen with the UFC, plus Jason Nash and Brian Kelvington with Federal Premium Ammunition. Yeah, look boy, this is my season. I've been the best, I got plenty of reasons. Nash, why don't you have cauliflower here like these two guys? I wore my headgear and got lucky. I didn't smack. You know, when I wrestled freestyle, I didn't wear it, but I didn't uh, didn't have enough matches. Maybe no one can touch these guys. <laughs> do you? Do you? As a wrestler now, do you wish you were that you had it like to show that? Because a lot of the wrestlers, I would think, like say it's kind of a, a badge of honor, if you will. I guess kind of like a. Would you say it's kind of a badge of honor for being a wrestler? Uh, I think some people say that. I mean. I guess a little bit. When you see somebody with cauliflower ears and you don't know them, you kind of have a connection there. And that's how the kind of the wrestling world works like all around the world. See, my view is different when I see somebody with cauliflower ears it automatically tells me don't mess with that guy. Like, that's... Yeah, I mean, someone like you, you shouldn't... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Brian's dad was a wrestling coach and he actually had to... The reason why I wore headgear... Because my dad used to have come in, he'd lance, I'd drain the ears at home. And I'd watch these guys have their ears drained at home, and I'd, I'd uh, always wear my headgear. You never wanted it. I never wanted a badge of honor. My twin brother has one. My sons have one. My nephews all have them, but I just wore my headgear. It's never, you, it's never too late. Yeah. You know, you, you wish you got a badge of honor? Or are you good without it? Yeah, we can make that happen really quick. <laughs> we can get it right now. Yeah. So, could uh-huh. you drain his right now and make him look normal again? No. 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 That's uh, his ears are like rocks. Yeah. That's been, that's scar damage right there. That's scar yeah, once, tissue. Once it dries and hardens, and there's, it's like a rock. I kind of wish I had it. And yeah, they've been drained too. a bunch of times, but. I think cauliflower. You never get it all out, and it slowly gets bigger. So I saw a deal. Um, I know we're on the subject of fighting a little bit here, wrestling, but Masvidal retired. He's coming out of retirement. He just he just announced. And Ben Askren came out and said he's coming out of retirement to fight him in a rematch in at 300. My question to you guys, all being wrestling guys, Askren was a stud wrestler. Masvidal was known as kind of the Kimbo Slice backyard Miami guy that kind of ran across the ring and flying knee caught him, right? And puts on ski masks and beats people up in a Yeah, Colby Covington story. But he comes across the ring, gets that flying knee, and knocks him out in like a world, like a record in UFC for a knockout or something, maybe. Ben Askren, is he, is he suited to be a UFC kind of fighter? Is he, I know he was a stud wrestler, but could he beat a guy like Masvidal? You're saying, you're shaking your head no, Cody? I don't think so, no. He's just not, he's just. I mean, he could potentially take him down and hump the fuck out of him (laughs) (laughs) for three, five minute goes. Really? Yeah. So he just put his body weight on him? Is Ben, it was he? Well, just, he'll hold him down. 
Was he's, he a world class wrestler? I think that's yeah. what he's done in funk. most of his MMA fights ben to win right? yeah. or submit the guy. He was the what? He's just not King an athlete. Funk. King of you know, fun. He's not an athlete. If you like, look at him, you watch him move. He's slow. He's. I mean, and the way he wrestled, he wrestled. I mean, he just like got attached and found a way to score. He wasn't. Right. That's he not was a good. That's not a good transitional like wrestling style yeah, to the, MMA. The toughest part would be getting a hold of him. Enough to take him down. He's slow. Why did they call him the king of funk? Was he unorthodox? Yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's funky. He would dive underneath, grab ankles. He's one of the reasons why some of the rules have changed as far as when it comes to what they call a, a cautionary you know, takedown where you're looking at the angle near fall, right? Because he would grab ankles and start rolling. You're talking about collegiate rules? Yeah, yeah, yeah. folk style rules. Yeah. So, yeah, he's one of the reasons the rules changed because he was happy being on his back. What? Let's talk about a guy that you have some commonality with, Brian. Brock Lesnar was an athlete that was partnered with you guys for several years. He was with Fusion, right? Yep. He was with Federal Fusion Rifle Ammo. Um, Minnesota wrestler, WWE. Nope, South Dakota wrestler. Oh, South Dakota. He went to South Dakota. Then to – Bismarck Junior College. Yeah, um, was wrestling at the Bison Open, and uh, he beat up the Bison. He beat up everybody that day, including a couple of All Americans. And the University of Minnesota saw him that day knock out their heavyweight in the finals of the Bison Open. And then the next day, they flew up. It's there's a story on it, but they flew up and signed him before anybody else could sign him. And that's how he got to the University of Minnesota national champion. National champion, and then. Becomes a phenom in the WWE, becomes world recognized, world renowned. But then he comes out of the uh, WWE handle, and you're you're kind of making that transition from Strike Force and Pride over to the UFC about the same time. Did you come over to the UFC around UFC 100, or when were you there? Were you there when when Lesnar was fighting? I fought in UFC 100. You fought in UFC 100. That's what I thought. That's when uh, Lesnar was in UFC 100. When he comes out of the WWE, is he taken serious? Like, do people really think he's going to be a good MMA mixed martial artist combat fighter? He comes out against Frank Mir, right, and gets beaten his opening match by an ankle pick, I think it was, or an ankle knee bar. A knee bar. Um, what were the locker room talk about Brock Lesnar around fighting when he when he was going to have to really fight? Well, I, I never was in his training room, so no, I just obviously he's fighter. a great wrestler and 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 he's a big. Fucker that and strong, so he could do some damage, and and it's all about how well he reacts to people punching at him, and and be able to take guys down and not get submitted. Was, you know, that's he was a bully. The basic things the wrestlers have to learn when they first start MMA. I don't think he did a whole lot of MMA training before he said, "I'm going to try that." I don't know. I, I've never been in his room. You know training room or anything so i've never watched him practice so i don't know how good he is at anything what i have seen of him fighting he was you know obviously a good wrestler and you know he didn't like to get hit that much nobody does but who was his biggest win in mma shane carwin it had to have been just the way he came back yeah because he was getting smoked in the first round yeah and then carwin gassed carwin gassed out gassed and he choked him. what kind of guy was brock was he kind of soft-spoken kind of shy standoffish no, Brock's an, he's a farm kid from South Dakota. Loves life, loves to hunt, fish, works hard, farms a lot of acreage up in Canada now where he lives. He's got three great kids, a beautiful wife. He's an all-American guy. All-American. Lives in Canada? What did he say after UFC 100? I'm going to drink a Coors Light and get on my wife. 
Yeah. Hell yeah. Bud Light's logo is all over the octagon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he liked to play the heel role from yeah. professional wrestling, right? Yeah. He did it yeah, well. He did it really well. Brian Kelvington, director of media for Federal Premium and the other brands, Heavy Shot, Remington now. You've had all these chances to meet people, all these different walks of life because of your career. And here's another example of it. You know, we're in camp with some, I wanted to bring you guys together with a camp like this because of your love of wrestling and, and fighting. And I thought it'd be cool to have two, you know, uh, one of the legends of the game and one of the guys that's in his prime right now with Cody in the UFC, but it's kind of cool of what hunting brings hunting camp, that common bond, you know, like we just talked about Brock Lesnar, but at the hundredth year anniversary, we had uncle Ted up in Minnesota playing the concert yeah. for the federal party. And it's kind of neat, right? And your, your career, have you ever had like a, for lack of better terms, like an Oh moment to where you're like, wow, this is really happening. Like I'm really in the room with this guy or this girl, or I really got the, has it ever hit you like, man, or is it just kind of every day for you? No, I mean, every day is unique, but I love coming to work every day. You know, that's it. We are very fortunate in our careers to meet new people every day, experience new things. You know, just down in Texas hunting deer and met a really cool guy down there. And um, so we're just very fortunate. You know, obviously I, I can see Dan because I know the 96 Olympics very well. Watched him and it's all. So I, it's it's cool to be in front of a two-time Olympian. I'm not going to say it's not. But uh, we're fortunate to meet a lot of cool people. And uh, Jason, as my boss, gets to send me on some things that really do uh, give you a, a good exposure to a lot of different things. And we're lucky every day to go to work. Brian also, he's being a little humble. He connected us with the Swamp people, too. And they're, I don't know if any of you have met them. They're some of the nicest Chewed people Chewed you'll awesome. ever meet. I mean, they'll, they'll invite you into their home and cook for you. It's, I mean, just fantastic people like most people in the industry are and people who are interested in hunting. Now, I do want to make sure that everybody here knows that you did bet me one time on a UFC fight. You took Cormier over Dan Hendo. I took Hendo and you said there's no way Cormier is going to smoke him. I would never pick over the H-bomb. You would never pick. (laughs) Let's talk about the H-bomb for a second. I've talked to Hendo about the Cormier fight because I was so mad that night about how that went down. And and Cormier's a stud, but I really wanted Hendo to whip his ass. Um, Cody, with what you do as a wrestler, wrestling background again, I've watched you throw hands. I've watched you box. I've watched you hit bags. What, how, how important is it to be that well-rounded like Hendo was of a two-time Olympic wrestler, Greco-Roman freestyle, but then can develop that right hand that people would be worried about the takedown. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, here comes this right hand over. How has that like transitioned you into a better fighter learning to throw hands with a wrestling background? Well, I think there's there's a fair amount of athletic ability that's kind of required to be able to do that. You know, like there's probably a handful of people on the planet that can throw a right hand as hard as he can, you know, and it doesn't matter. Like you can't teach somebody explosiveness. It's not something you can coach into someone. Your technique can be as sharp as you want, but some guys are just born a little harder than others in terms of fighting. They're just guys that are more athletic, more explosive and have rocks in their hands for whatever reason. You know, like one guy might have the most clean, perfect technique, and you see it every weekend in the UFC. And then you got some other guy who's just a straight brawler, and they get in a firefight, and that brawler puts the other guy out. You know, I think just some guys have just God-given talent that there's nothing you can do. You know what I mean? Like, Dan could probably still come out and, like, knock out. If he gets a clean shot, he'd probably knock out anybody in his weight class in the UFC. You know what I mean? There's not many guys like that. There's not – there's just – 
some people are just gifted athletes. So and, would you consider yourself one of those that's got the because you got heavy hands for a smaller? If you fight at one thirty five or forty five, like you have pretty heavy hands for being a lighter weight fighter. Yeah, I mean, I I boxed too, like before I I fought MMA. So like I'm on the gloves in 08. Like I'm definitely on the athletic spectrum. I'm on one end of it. You know, I definitely think there's a fair amount I can get away with a lot of sloppy technique because I'm faster and more explosive than a lot of the guys that I'm competing against. So. Uh, and like same thing in wrestling, you see that too. Like you'll see a guy that's just insane. Like Jordan Burroughs is a great example. I mean, he's really, he's a smart wrestler, but the guy's got one move. Everyone knows he's going to do it and there's nothing anyone on the planet can do to stop him. You know what I mean? Cause he's just gifted at that one thing. And that's like, for me, like that's what makes athletes, you know, so special in the UFC and transitioning from wrestling to the UFC. Like some guys just have it. Some guys just have that that God-given natural ability and, you know, it doesn't matter what you do to train, they're still going to be able to whoop your ass. Do you wish that you would have taken that road of going MMA after your wrestling career? Did you, no. <laughs> do you, do you have that kind of instinct? Like David Taylor hasn't talked about coming out as an MMA fighter, but Bo Nickel, I think was a two-time national champion at Penn state and tech falls and records and pins, all this kinds of stuff. He comes out and he's having a heck of a start in MMA. Did you ever like think about like, think back of like, man, I really could have been that guy. Do you have that kind of that street toughness or that fighting technique? No, I, th- I mean, I had an older a brother, six years older than me and much bigger. So I, th- I feel like I was brought up tougher and I wrestled and I, I enjoyed the sports and I boxed for a couple of years just because my dad and I grew up watching it and just loved it. It's a, it is the sweet science and it's just awesome to watch, but I never felt like that was my path. You know, I, I wasn't at that elite level where I would feel comfortable getting in the ring with guys who are as well-rounded as people like Cody and Dan. The other night, um, they were airing the UFC top 100. And of course the Bisbing fight is always in the top 10. Um, what was the start of that? How did it escalate into you saying, you know, I'm going to shut this guy up kind of deal? Like, like you didn't talk a lot of smack, obviously, before the fight, if any at all. And we all know the outcome of it. But what was like the escalation or the, the rising drama that brought it to you wanted to land that last punch when he was already out like a light? I think just him being a douchebag on Ultimate <laughs> Fighter made people want him to get his mouth shut up and that had nothing to do with me throwing that other that extra punch everyone calls it but i mean I, i've done that in fights before that just to make sure the fight's over i did it to vandalay silva and you know i just happened to be airborne for when i did his though but yeah, they but play that i did almost the exact same thing to vanderlei i knocked him down and jumped on top because you have to right because if yeah you got to finish the fight the second fight that i fought bisbing I, I knocked him down and i missed by probably a half inch you know hitting his chin when he was on the ground and you know fight went on when you think back of your career hendo and i know the new book just came out which i love the american athlete but is there anything unsettled? Is there any regret? Is there anything that you wish? I know John Jones was a big one when you had to step away from that with an injury, but it, it, I, the career was amazing. Is there anything that you look back at that wasn't solidified or wasn't finished business or that was kind of unsettled for you? Well, I mean, obviously the last fight, it would have been nice for me to go out with a UFC belt. It's the only belt I didn't get out of, you know, the different organizations. So. You're a judge. You're a referee, Brian Kelvin. Retired <laughs> um, referee. Okay, Chad but Belton. you watched that fight. I've watched it many times. Do you remember the fight, part two in Britain? And 
the Biz Bang. Yeah, fight? Pardue when the, the when he was the tie, he was the the champion. That was not UFC 100, right? No, no, no. This was just five years ago. Five years ago. It was seven years. Seven, seven, seven years, years ago. ago. I don't recall specifically, but you can walk me through it. Well, he that comes out the first round and knocks him down. Yep. He comes out in the second round and knocks him down. Which he should have finished the fight in the second round, I think. But then there was after the fight. I mean, it literally looked like he went through a meat grinder, and Hendo looked like a walk in the park. Like there was no damage done. There was no damage done by Bisbing in that fight, in my opinion. I'm not a judge, but you could just look at his interview in the in the octagon after, and he was going to retire anyway, right? And he would have been the three time belt holder in Pride, Strike Force, and now UFC. Is that have something to do with it in judging? Like, well, we can't let this guy that's retiring go out as the champion, so we're going to give it to Bisbee. You watched the fight, Nash. Do you think Bisbee won? No, absolutely not. But I uh, know it's it's out when the per guy's the champion, they always say you have to finish the fight, but you've been the champion. You've been the champion multiple times, so I thought. Well, I tried to finish it a couple times. Well, it's like where the fight happened. Yeah. I'm telling crowd. Yeah, I know that they've definitely since then had put a big emphasis on damage in judging now. Yeah. Under the new criteria, it wouldn't even be there'd be no possible way that you could ever give that fight to Bisping. I don't think anybody did at the time anyways. The crowd plays a big part of that too. You know what I mean? You're fighting in his home and like every time he does anything, the crowd goes nuts. That influences judging. That's something that people don't necessarily see on TV. You know what I mean? You fight in someone else's backyard. Every time that guy does anything, they're going crazy. You know what I mean? Like I just tell that in Brazil. I was like, this guy would do like, he would he would miss me and they would cheer. And I'm like, what the fuck? What are you guys cheering about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's something that you you don't necessarily get unless you're like at the event. You know what I mean? I know, yeah. I think that home cooking plays a huge role. But you would think as a judge, you wouldn't. There were some judges that were way off in that fight. Like, there's just no way they could have saw the fight that way. That's where I'm going with it is no matter what the crowd is saying or the applause or how loud it is, it's like, what were you really watching? Right. And the two the two knockdowns should be not maybe not 10-8s, but they still should have been a, a, a strong scoring round, not just, you know, like that should have had some emphasis in their final decision that, that he was not the winner of that fight. He never knocked you down. He never caused damage. Just kind of a weird deal to like, I don't know if you can really regret that because I think you won the fight. Um, I want to talk about one other fighter real quick that is always labeled as one of the greatest. And I want your guys' opinion. BJ Penn, um, he had an unreal career and the stuff with Matt Hughes. and But he goes down in a lot of fighters judging of one of the greatest. He kind of came back way too many times, I think, in his career and kind of tarnished that a little bit. BJ Penn, is he one of the greatest of all time, yes or no? I think so. Nah, man, I would probably say not for me. Different time period, though. You know what I mean? You think he is, though, Hendo? Well, he's one of them. Yeah, for sure. I think I think uh, he had an opportunity, and it was disappointing to me, but he had an opportunity to be a double champ, and like once or twice maybe, and he, and he showed up a little bit out of shape and, and gassed out and didn't perform that well. And, and so he definitely had his chances to be one of the greatest of all time, and he was right – I think at the cusp of it, and uh, you know, he kind of blew his chance a little bit by not being prepared like he should have been. Brian Kelvington, yes or no? Can John Jones go down in history as the greatest MMA fighter, considering an undefeated record, one disqualification against Matt Hamill for illegal elbows, but never has lost a fight? Questionable fights with Gustafson and Dominic Reyes. Who? Dominic Reyes. Yes, Reyes. He won um, both those fights. Those fights were iffy. Well, you also have to put in there that 
asterisks of being I'm going into it so the asterisks of of not just the steroids and the in the bad test but also the the extracurricular activity that he's had so can he, he go down as the, one of the greatest I think he's a Barry Bonds type person he's going to be labeled like Barry Bonds you know you don't go from just being a skinny 185 pound outfielder to all of a sudden 260 and hitting bombs all the time right so is John Jones a heck of a fighter yep but I think he's got baggage that's going to make him the Barry Bonds of UFC. You agree, Nash? Yeah, I do. I mean, he's he when he first came out, he, he was one of the more exciting fighters to watch because he had a different style. He threw a lot of elbows and choking people out from standing. And it, it, he's fun to watch, but yeah, I think anytime you get yourself in that kind of trouble, it definitely tarnishes your reputation. But I don't know. A number of guys have tested positive over the years. The guy that he and, fought several times, Bell, uh, the Brazilian. Vitor Vitor, Vitor Bell. Yeah, he's that tiny now. So <laughs> they showed pictures of him on one of the MMA shows the other day of when he's on it and when he's off of it, and it doesn't it's even look like a different human being. being. Yeah, no. Doesn't even look. My opinion on John Jones, real quick, is that I would still. I still would watch him fight, even though after all the shit, I still want to know what's going to happen. I know, but I think talent-wise, he's one of the greatest of all time. Talent-wise, if you take away all of that other stuff, the guy has been a champion for two and a half decades. Now, again, you got all the asterisks, but that is a long time at that game to be the time. And I know, did they take his heavyweight title away because of his injury? Did they visit it? No. No, no, he's he's keeping it. He's keeping it. So wh- whatever he does, the guy from Cleveland, the firefighter, uh, Miss Stepe, Stepe, he can't beat John Jones, can he? he I think he's got it. a chance, a better chance than most of the heavyweights, he's just because his style. He's big. He's athletic. He's and he can hit player. hard. But this guy from France that he just fought's big, hits hard, and is a great athlete. And he can't wrestle. Can't wrestle. Can't Stipe wrestle. Can, can wrestle. Stipe wrestle? Yeah, he's, he's a wrestler. He's a wrestler. Yeah. I'm fired up. I absolutely love the fight game. We're going to break here for a few commercials. Appreciate y'all being here. The H-Bomb has dropped nearly as many foes as Black Cloud. Let's talk about the H-Bomb for a second. How important is it to be that well-rounded like Hendo was of a two-time Olympic wrestler, Greco-Roman, freestyle, but then can develop that right hand? Well, I think there's a fair amount of athletic ability that's kind of required to be able to do that. There's probably a handful of people on the planet that can throw a right hand as hard as he can, but some guys are just born a little harder than others. American Almond Beef, Cowboy Choice feeds the provider and corning ford are proud to bring you this waterfowl and fight game highlight for more on the foul life chad building and his incredible hunts visit the chad hendo cody jason and brian will be right back thanks for listening it's called benelli's the foul life for a reason we love benelli they are the top shelf of waterfowl shotguns, all shotguns for that matter, in my opinion. But when you start talking about duck blinds, goose blinds, lay down blinds, panel blinds, pit blinds, the debris, the wear and tear, everything that we put our guns through throughout a duck season, whether it's a 60 day duck season in the south or you start up north and north of the border in Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and follow the migration south. Some of us, myself included, hunt over 120 days a year. And every single time, 
time I squeeze that Benelli trigger, it goes bam. I'm so proud and honored to be part of the Benelli family. And when it comes to the Super Black Eagle 3, the 12 gauge, the 20 gauge, the 28 gauge, I absolutely love this line of shotguns, the inertia, every single thing from the rib down to the sight, to the choke tube, to the constrictions, the performance is what it's all about with Benelli. The Super Black Eagle series in 12 gauge, 20 gauge, and 28 gauge, whether you get Rob Roberts to build the performance shop or you keep them straight out of the box factory, they perform. They're simply perfect. It's Benelli. It's the confidence of shouldering that shotgun and the responsibility of pointing it at a live animal and squeezing that trigger. The dispatch, humane, ethics, everything that goes into it. Benelli believes in the culture of the duck hunter, the goose hunter, the turkey hunter, the upland hunter. So whether you're doing sporting clays, whether you're chasing waterfowl, chasing upland, chasing turkeys, Benelli builds a shotgun for you. Benelli's the foul life. They're 13 seasons as our title sponsor. Can you imagine this relationship. Thank you, Benelli. Thank you all for supporting Benelli. And I know it's all of our goal to walk into that sporting good, that Benelli dealer, that store and say, let me shoulder that super black eagle. And now you can do it in so many gauges, the sub gauges included. We're fired up. Good luck this season. Stay safe out there and shoot straight. Shoot Benelli. Looking for a high-quality truck accessory that's built to last? Look no further than Lear. With over 50 years of experience in the industry, these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and performance best. Whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap, a hard or soft cover, or accessories to customize your truck, Lear's got you covered. Their products are made with only the best materials, and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and take your driving experience to the next level. Federal Premium Black Cloud. Shot it exclusively for 12 years now. And it thumps them. Cripples are few and far between. It happens. I'm not going to say it doesn't. But I'm talking decoying birds 10 to 25 yards going down, dying ethically in the Traeger. Black Cloud is still the leading waterfowl ammo in the country. Myself, the Fowl Life crew, we shoot it exclusively. You can now find it in the TSS blends, in the Tungsten Super Steel blends of Black Cloud. But I'm talking the exact detail performance of every time I pull the trigger, the results that we're seeing and no suffering. Dispatching big Canada geese, mallard ducks. There is a shot size from BB all the way to fours and you can get the blends like I said in the TSS. Black Cloud has changed the way I look at shotgun ammo. I compare everything to it. I'm very critical and nothing hits like Federal Premium Black Cloud. I hope that you get a box or a case of it for this upcoming season. Good luck out there. Stay safe. Shoot straight. Shoot small and shoot Black Cloud. Welcome back to Benelli's The Foul Life with Chad Belding, where Chad, Hendo, Cody, Jason, and Brian have the Benelli's pumping out some federal premiums absolute finest. We're really experiencing something here that is not every freaking day. You could go hunting for specs your whole life and never see what we saw today. Most of the hunts that I've been on with you were, were like today. A little so spoiled. I'm, I'm definitely spoiled. That's why I don't go herd hunting with anybody else. <laughs> Thanks to federal premium ammunition, Benelli. California Waterfowl Association and SCI for powering this episode of The Fowl Life with Chad Belding. Here we go. As far as the hunting career goes, Kelvy, how does that hunt of specs match up today with seeing let's just talk about the sheer number of of specs like sometimes you'll get under white geese and you see a lot of numbers in a hurry like that but to see that many specs for that long of duration what was going through your head it was a unbelievable experience because it's the first time i've ever been in that type of mass 
of specs. We've had out in South Dakota, you know, a couple waves of them, but not like that. It was incredible. Do you echo the same sentiments, Nash? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had a lot of goose hunts, but only a few great ones. And this is as high a volume as I've seen. It was here and one time in Arkansas on snow is where I just wave after wave coming in. It was it was a great hunt. Did you feel sorry for me at all with all the insults I was taking from Rocky? You could definitely tell in your demeanor you were you were having a hard time. You, <laughs> it was getting you've to got you. thin skin, I think. It was getting to you. <laughs> it was getting to you. I mean that I mean Yeah, he was pushing your buttons and, and you were doing what the button was supposed to do. To do. Yeah. <laughs> Call me. Uh, he goes. That is a high school <laughs> shot call. I'm like, what? That freaking. Your rock. comeback was pretty good, though. Yeah, <laughs> can't say that. Yeah, yeah we're gonna have to edit that out. We're gonna have to. I just wanted to get on here for a quick one. I know that we're going to Rockies to eat tonight. And I think that it's really neat that you can go out and you know, thanks to Riley and Bailey and the entire crew because that decoy spread was elaborate. Alex, thank you. It's kind of weird to just get off of the bus and go to work like that and and then leave and get back on the bus and then all the work's done. It's it's not the way that I like to do it a lot, but we give so much thanks to the guys that put that hunt together, the scouting, the setting of the, the hide, the decoys. I mean, we're you're under 900 decoys today, you know, and that's a lot of work putting out there slopping in water. And um, so thank you to the entire Merlot crew and – all of Rocky's crew that came in, which we call the Amigos, they kick butt every day that of helping put the spread up and taking it down. But now we get to go over and eat these specs. And I'm excited for you guys to do it because California rice specs, we're going to leave the skin on and the fat. We're going to bring them to about 120, 122 degrees internal temp. And then we're going to do what we reverse serum on about 700 degrees. And we're going to get that crispy fat skin. We're going to make that fat and skin crisp up to where each bite's going to have a crispy layer of skin on it with a medium rare it'll be at about 132 133 when we slice it and eat it and it's going to be amazing maybe a tiny bit of horseradish on it but i wanted to bring everybody on cody stanham dan hendo henderson jason nash brian kelvington brian's director of media for federal jason's director of marketing for federal and all of the other ammunition jason's brands the vice president of marketing vice you're a vp of now all the ammo brands under the this outdoor jeez you <laughs> and i've known you guys we're going on titles don't matter we've been in business and friends for a long time and revenge of the nerds fans the greatest movie of all time probably straight out of compton we watched in camp last time which we're huge hip-hop fans this guy can freestyle like a maniac go um yeah go flow a little bit <laughs> i can beatbox for you to freestyle no, we'll do <laughs> everybody knows dan henderson an absolute legend in mma and i love hunting with him i've been hunting with him for the last six seven seasons um canada oklahoma california a few times we've had a lot of cool hunts yeah this was a cool one yeah yeah i think most of the hunts that i've been on with you were, were like today a little so spoiled I'm, I'm definitely spoiled that's why i don't go bird hunting with anybody else <laughs> well thanks that means a lot Come bird hunting with me Cody, you do better. Cody lives in Vegas. You're from Michigan. Yep. But you love waterfowl hunting. Today's hunt was incredible. It was. It's the first time I shot a spec, and it was everything I wanted it to be. It was. It was an awesome hunt. Did you find it weird that Dan said I shot three laying down, didn't even move, and I tripled? Did you guys catch that today? When yeah, I, I watched that. Yeah. I got Did through. You really? <laughs> I did. They were straight above our head. We're <laughs> looking like this. Why would I sit up and then try to? They were just. Ooh, he ooh, actually, ooh. he actually, boom, boom, boom. He did it right because I sat up and then, like, I my gun was almost on my trap, 
I was like shooting over my own head, and he just laid down. And I think he actually might have killed three, like he said. How do you celebrate a hunt like that, Kelvington? You you've been hunting a long time, but that hunt is like kill them and get in, and then the next ones come in, and then kill them and send the dogs and run out and get them, and then you're back in. There's like no high five and barely. There's barely time to like pump the brakes a little bit and enjoy it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. There's no really like downtime to be like, gosh. We're really experiencing something here that is not every freaking day. You could go hunting for specs your whole life in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Louisiana, Arkansas, East Texas, some parts of Kansas, Oklahoma, and never see what we saw today. And on top of that, get the harvest 10 birds per man per day. Okay. So like we can't take that for granted. And it's like, it goes like that because you're like, hurry up, get in, hurry up, get in. And I'm like, no. I want to like relish in this for a minute. Let's just let one flock go by. Does that make sense? Like, do we have to, it's, we are just jumping right back into the blind and I kind of want to reminisce a little bit during it or do, is it cool just to wait to get a picture after and then high five? I don't know. I, I was thinking about the second group that came in and birds came in that were waffling. They'd go up and side down doing all that aerial gymnastics. And there was still, none of it was wave three and wave four and wave five. And I couldn't even recall because I was so excited to see another group of birds come in. And I was like, but I was still thinking in the back of my mind, man, that waffling was something that was awesome. so that was awesome. They wanted it. They wanted it bad. But you know what I mean, Nash? It's like, you got to. We can't just go to bed tonight and not wake up tomorrow and, and not think about that hunt because to kill 80 speckle belly geese at those distances and dead in the decoys like that and see good dog work and hear great calling and that many full body decoys, it doesn't just happen. I want to make sure that people understand that that's not just every day. If you come and book a hunt with Merlot, that's how they hunt. That's it. You get in your Tyvek suit and you are going to be underneath geese. But it, I just want to make sure that people know that you can't just go to mo- tomorrow and like not talk about today's hunt, if that makes sense, because that was freaking special. Because we literally saw maybe 300 to 400 snow geese today. They were in a different part of the rice, okay? Every bird we saw today was speckle bellies. That's just un- that's unheard of, in my opinion. Am I talking to myself here? Because like I, I that got me so excited to see that. I had, I had no idea what to expect, and now I'm completely, I'm probably ruined. Like, it, it, you can hear specs out. You hear them? I have a 10-minute video of birds consistently, the whole, entire video. 10 minutes, I laid there with my phone waiting for a shot. It was It's just insane. There were so many birds around us, like, I've never seen anything like that. So, it was a blast, yeah. We can't forget about that. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. This was day one. Tomorrow, I think we're going to center up on snow geese tomorrow. If you guys paid attention out to your left today when we were driving to breakfast, or to go drop the birds off. Did you see? We stopped and filmed it. That's where we're hunting tomorrow, right in that area. So that's we're going to be targeting the like fifteen thousand snows tomorrow. That's so where you stopped <laughs> on the road. Yeah, when we stopped and <laughs> almost got in a little fender bender. Yeah, but that's what we're going to target tomorrow. I wanted to bring everybody on again. Again, it's Cody Stanham, Dan Hendo, Anderson, Jason Nash, Brian Kelvington. We got Team Federal Black Cloud here. What a great camp! We're going to come back with part two of the podcast tomorrow and actually break down. Some of the tools we're using, which we call our shooting system, which we've been with Black Cloud for over a decade now. And, you know, I have my opinions on ammo. I'm very opinionated when it comes to the tools we use in our arsenal. I have a real hard time, and we're going to talk about this, that there's a price tag for everybody. I understand that. I have a hard time telling people to spend more money on anything TSS or anything when I see what Black Cloud does and the way it performs day in and day out. It is absolutely amazing that when I hear people talk about 
I can't believe what this ammunition is doing. I can't believe how, how awesome it is. So I want to talk about that tomorrow. I want to come back and talk a little bit about the science, the engineering, what goes into the flex wad, what goes into the mixture, what's going on in the black cloud community right now, the culture of federal premium, what's going on in your guys' everyday day-to-day business, what's going on at Hendo's gym. He's got big news coming out of Temecula, California with Hendo's Barrel House and his new restaurant that's going to be overlooking his gym where you can go in and watch training, live fights on Hendo's Fight Night, which I've been to a couple times. Awesome watching up and coming amateurs and some pros making their way up the ranks. And then I want to talk about Cody, his training at the Performance Institute in Vegas for UFC and some of his upcoming fights. So we'll come back with part two. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. And then I want to get an opinion of all of you guys of the speckle belly that we eat tonight. Fair? Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you guys for being here. Any closing words, Cody? I'm hungry. Yeah, same. You're hungry? Are you really hungry? Yeah. You ate a two, three pound burrito today for lunch. Yeah, like eight hours ago. (laughs) No, you just had tacos. Yeah, I had tacos. Are you hungry? I am. Any closing words, Nash? Take them. Take them. Take them. You want me to learn how to say take Cut them? I did pretty good today. Cut Hendo, Hendo you did. You did. Hendo you will you tell you, like, if I hear him say get ready one more time, I'm crawling out of this blind. Last year in Oklahoma, I had him and Randy Couture. You talk about two dudes you don't want to mess with. And they're like, if he does not call take him on this swing, I'm going to shake him. And I was like, okay, I'm going to call yeah. take him no matter what. His get ready means five or ten more minutes. Exactly. <laughs> get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. All right. Thank you all for being here. The Foul Eye Podcast for Cody, Hendo, Jason, and Brian. Chad Belding, we appreciate the downloads. And Tom, thank you for setting it up. We got the one and only Tom Rajasheen. Tom, you ready for dinner? Let's do this. We're going. Appreciate y'all. Chad Belding is on a crusade to showcase the incredible waterfowl opportunities that each state has to offer. And the Golden State is over the top. As far as the hunting career goes, Kelvy, how does that hunt of specs? Let's just talk about the sheer number of specs. To see that many specs for that long of duration. It was an unbelievable experience because it's the first time I've ever been in that type of mass of specs. It was incredible. Shout out to Secure It, Mickey Thompson Tires, Napa Valley Olive Oil, and Kershaw Knives for taking us ringside and then then to Duck Camp on this episode of The Foul Life with Chad Belding. Chad, Hendo, Cody, Jason, and Brian will be right back. So keep it tuned right here or risk being taken down with an H-bomb. Potentially take him down and hump the f*** out of him. <laughs> we'll be right back. The Answer 12. It's our new Foul Life Edition safe gun storage system from our friends at Secure It. Brand new design, so much room, so much organization, so much potential, so many options. You can see videos on our YouTube, on episodes of Benelli's The Foul Life airing exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. We do everything with our Secure It Answer 12 Foul Life Edition safe. Check them out at secureit.com right now and design your own. Get the cubbies, get the shelves, get the bungees, get the magnetic hanging hooks. You got plenty of room for 12 long guns in there and the organization that you can do with everything from knives to binos to dog training equipment to sporting clay equipment to eyewear ear protection all of your chokes all of your sights everything that you want you can organize it for different times of the year it might be dog training season it might be sporting clay season it might be duck season it might be turkey season organize it it is a safe built for the shot gunner my friends tom chris everybody in new york at secure it helped me design this safe our crew went to work on it and we have come up with a configuration that will allow you to make it your own comes with the magnet set with the foul life with labs 
cats and ducks and flocks, working geese, working ducks. The Foul Life Edition Secure It Answer 12 Safe is available right now at secureit.com. Check us out this coming February at the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. We will have more of them on site, on display like we did last year in our booth. It's going to be magnificent. I hope you get a chance to get your hands on your own, organize it the way that you see fit. And when you open those doors and see what you've created, it's going to give you even more energy, even more aura, even more enthusiasm for this unbelievable lifestyle that we get to live as an American shotgunner, American duck hunter, turkey hunter, upland hunter, dog trainer. Let's do it. Get the Answer 12 Foul Life Edition right now at secureit.com. You can't go wrong with it. Thank you so much, Secureit. And thank you all so much for supporting the brands that support us here at the Foul Life Podcast and the Foul Life TV. I love snacks. I love protein. I love having it at my disposal at all times. You never know when you're going to get hungry. You never know when that hunt is going to go longer. That drive is going to go longer. Why not make sure that you have a high protein enriched snack like Jack Link's jerkies, whether it's the sticks, whether it's the cold craft, whether it's the traditional jerky, the flavors, the freshness, the packaging, the design, the entire culture of this business built with Mr. Jack himself, his son, Troy. They support the American hunter, their American brand, living the American dream, and they deserve it. I love their snacks, their flavors. I can't go into all of them, but there's the dill pickle. There's the teriyaki, the original, the peppered, sweet and hot. I can keep going on the cold craft side, the salamis, the cheeses. Unbelievable innovation into the way snacks should be. No carbohydrates, low in sugar, great flavor, high in protein. Build that muscle. Make sure that you support the companies and products that support us here. And Jack Links is the official snack of the Foul Life Podcast and Benelli's The Foul Life TV. Have you become a member of California Waterfowl Association, CWA? Check them out at calwaterfowl.org. It doesn't matter if you live in Kansas or Florida, New York, Alberta, Arkansas, Iowa. I don't care. Become a member of California Waterfowl Association. They're fighting for hunters' rights every day behind the scene. Their advocacy is second to none. They are an unbelievable force to be reckoned with. And if I told you the work that they're doing right now, you would want to become a member. It can happen to us all. You saw Bill 28 just got signed into law. CWA is still continuously fighting that to get rid of that 11% tax on firearms and ammunition. It's going to spread eastward, I promise. And CWA has been at the forefront of hunters' rights, not just waterfowl hunters, but upland hunters, deer hunters, predator hunters, bear hunters, you name it. They have fought for the rights of so many outdoors men and women across this country, and they continue to do so, and they need our help. Become a life member. Become a yearly member at calwaterfowl.org. Attend a banquet if you you're in the area, hit us up at info at thefowllife.com if you need any questions answered. Put that decal on your truck window, on your trailer. Be a proud member of California Waterfowl Association and join the fight. We need it, I promise you. It's CWA. I'm a proud member. Everybody on the Fowl Life crew is. You can see a ton of episodes we film with my good friend Rock Merlo in upstate California representing California Waterfowl Association. If it wasn't for them, I truly don't know what the state of waterfowl hunting and other species would be in the state of California. Let's get involved. Let's become a member. CalWaterfowl.org. Thank you for supporting the California Waterfowl Association. Thanks for listening to part one of this The Foul Life California doubleheader with Chad Belding. Cody Stanham, Dan Hendo Anderson, Jason Nash, Brian Kelvington. We got Team Federal Black Cloud here. What a great camp. Find archived and new broadcasts of Benelli The Foul Life podcast with Chad Belding on SoundCloud, iHeart, Spotify, and thefowllife.com or on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Thanks for listening and take them.